Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show, where our mission is to support women living a financially free and balanced life. And whatever balance means to you, right, Andressa? We always like to say that. That's right, right? I don't know two people, two women that have the same concept, especially well, nowadays. It's just very by the hour what right. balance means. Yeah, that's a, that's a good minute by the minute. So um, today's a really, really important and special episode we um, are recording here. Uh, we have four amazing women with us. We usually, we always interview one uh, woman and, and right now we have four amazing women. So we're just excited to get into, uh, in light of everything happening in this world right now, with race, racial injustice, um, so many things are, are moving so fast and we wanted to be part of the conversation and have an open dialogue to talk with four very bright women who all have very different experiences and know different things and who can share not just the history of, of what was, but also talk about what we're going to be talking to with our kids. How do we raise anti-racist children? Where do we go from here? How could everyone be part of the solution so we don't just, oh, that's still in the news? When, when are we going back to normal, right? We don't, we don't want to go back to that. <laughs> Most people. Exactly. That are... <laughs> exactly. I don't want to go. Yeah. Like, so, oh, let's get back to, no, no, I don't want to get back to that. Like Michelle Obama on her um, becoming she says, there is no like, oh, get back to it. It's like new from here. We are putting all new steps to move forward in different areas. There's no like back to normal. I don't want to go back to that normal. I want yeah. to create my new normal. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, so we thought bringing on four women who have different experiences and, and you know, just to kind of share uh, what they know, how they know it, um, it would be, would be a great opportunity. Um, our mission is, is about supporting women. And, and for those who are like, where's the real estate investing tips for this episode? Um, for us to be effective real estate investors, uh, we, you know, we need to keep educating ourselves and getting into this dialogue and being part of the solution because we're all in communities. We're all buying properties in communities that are affecting people and, and, and we want to make a, a difference. So with that context, I'm going to introduce these four amazing women. Uh, we're going to get into it because there's literally so many questions I have. And, and this is going to be a really open dialogue. Uh, we don't have an agenda here. We, the agenda is to get into an open dialogue and, and hopefully inspire all the women listening and all of us to be part of the solution. That's, that's really the outcome here. So, um, all right. So I'm going to introduce these, these wonderful women. Unless I'm forgetting something, Andressa, am I? No, that's, that's what we have for today. Okay. It's packed. Awesome. It's going to be, you know, honest. And we want to honor every single person's story here. And just bear with us because sometimes we might not have the right word or, or, you know, we're processing all of this together. It is our problem. It's our mission to really empower women. And we want to be part of the solution. So bear with me, bear with Liz and all our guests over here. And um, we want to make sure that we are part of, of the solution moving forward and 
during those conversations, that's when the ideas, the plans, I, and I believe that it is through communication that we will find a way to, you know, move forward and create the future that we all want. Yeah. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. You ever feel like your vacation rental sits empty too often? Missing out on potential income? Look, you're not alone. Many property owners struggle with underperforming bookings and the complexities of property management. But here's some good news. Vacasa outperforms other property managers in 92% of the markets they operate. They've helped homeowners like you increase their bookings by an average of 24%, turning those empty days into profitable opportunities. Want to see what your earnings could look like with Vacasa? Visit biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A, and get a free personalized income estimate today. That's biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. Awesome. Okay. So Cheryl Lundy Swift. Okay. So thank you for being here, Cheryl. Thank you. Really appreciate uh, you and being here. So she's a founder and CEO of EduPower, uh, an education consulting firm that empowers teachers, parents, and students uh, to reach their full potential. By, by various ways, right? Professional development, coaching, and curriculum. Uh, she just completed her tenure as principal for Summit Academy, uh, where she uh, was located in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, they received national attention. Uh, I remember seeing it on Ellen DeGeneres one day. I'm like, is that Cheryl? So I was like, oh my God, I think I texted you right away. I'm like, I think you're on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Um, but it was, it was, it was gave uh, national attention because they received um, you know, quite a bit of grant money to just make a huge difference in the school, which was super amazing. Um, she resides in Westfield uh, with her husband and proud parent of their nephew, Sid. So, so welcome, Cheryl. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for creating the space for us to have this conversation. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, so Miss Miss Kim Event Bob, um, known for many, many years, uh, she, for the past 13 years, has led the management and operations of the NJR RA Redevelopment Training. Uh, it's a nationally recognized and regionally accredited training program uh, centered in really making the redevelopment process, right, seamless and, and simple and effective. Um, uh, I've known Kim many years. Uh, she's made a huge difference at, at, in the, on the state level. And in the local level, she's an entrepreneur. She's got a number of businesses that she's building. Uh, she's a real estate investor for, what, 30 years? You've had properties. Uh, yeah. And, and in, an amazing statistic, she's had a 0% eviction, which is just still mind blowing. And we need to, we're going to be having Kim on our normal, pod, not normal, <laughs> our, our regular podcast just to get into that real estate like strategy, because that's just mind blowing. Um, she's also, uh, as a fa she's a fashion designer and has a company that focuses on um, fashion for women, correct? So yes. um, she's got, uh, she resides in Sicklerville, New Jersey, has three grown, three grown sons and nine mm. grandchildren. God bless you. Um, mm. I have two young kids and I'm like, 
I don't know. Some days I, I literally, I literally banged my head against the wall the other day. I literally did. I was like, this isn't good. But anyway, um, but thank you for being here, Kim. Thank you for sharing your, your insights. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the invite and the space. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So Tennille McCoy is a human resources executive and has developed and managed human resources policies, initiatives, and programs uh, for large and small organizations for, for many, many years, uh, including the Office of the Governor of New Jersey, RMARC, and many other large companies like UBS Financial Services. Uh, in 2011, um, she got involved in local government, or no, I think it was 2010 you got involved with local government, but she was the first African-American nominated by, by Hamilton Township Committee to run for council. And she's very active in, in Hamilton, making a difference. Um, she's also a real estate investor as well. That's how we first connected with Tennille. And she, um, she was on our show, one of our earlier shows, but episode 10. So the ladies listening, you haven't heard that. She talks about house hacking, and she gets into really some neat, neat tips there. So, um, and she resides in, in Hamilton, New Jersey. So, so welcome to Neil to our show. Yeah. Um, excited to have you here with us. Okay, so Miss Patricia Redhawk is a physician. She's a, a real estate investor and um, author and educator. She, Dr. Redhawk has been rehabbing homes and she's been a, a in construction for what most of your life just about. <laughs> um, she has served in the uh, Army National Guard and had a tour of duty in the Middle East. Uh, she now focuses her energies on the acquisition of residential and commercial properties uh, in Pacific Northwest, right? Your new, your new home. New home. Uh, and she's, um, she resides, she's going to be residing <laughs> soon <laughs> in Oregon with her wife and her two children. So, so thank you for being here, Dr. Redhawk. Indeed. All right, so let's let's get into it here. Um, first question we have, I mean, is you know, is something to really I want to hear from everyone on this one. So um, I'm going to probably just you know we'll do like a roundtable approach. So with everything going on, I'll start with you, Kim, because you're you're first on my my uh, up 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 on my uh, gallery view. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. With everything going on with the the current you know racial injustices that are in our society and just everything that's coming to more and more light as everything's been going on the last several weeks of our country and just everything happening what is on your heart and your mind to share today and that's such a big question yeah it is a big question it's a big question that generates a lot of emotion uh but i mean to be honest with you since this is an open space fear uh, in 2020, I still have fear in my heart for my husband, for my sons, for my granddaughters and uh, my family uh, moving in the American space as people of color. Um, I've got frustration um, that it's taken still till 2020 for this injustice and, um, you know, just just uh, disrespect of people of color to still be a topic of discussion but I'm also optimistic that more people are willing to discuss it um, and, and talk about it and move towards change. Uh, but I'm also grateful. I'm also grateful that I have the arsenal of knowledge about my history and the history of, of, of our community to be able to teach it to my children, my grandchildren, and to others like in this space who are open to the conversation. So, that's what I'm feeling right now. More than that, but I'm just going to encapsulate it in those four areas right now. All right. Wonderful. Thank you. How about you, Cheryl? Well, first of all, again, thank you for allowing us to be here. This is an important conversation to have. And I appreciate this question because you're asking what's on my heart and you're asking what's in my mind. So when I think about my heart first, 
um, really to echo um, what Kim was sharing, I, my heart is heavy. Um, I'm sad um, and I'm angry. Um, but I think most importantly, I'm, I am afraid. I'm afraid for myself as a black woman. I'm afraid for my husband and my nephew that I raise, but my family in general um, for just, for the fact of being black and walking down the street or grocery shopping. That fear is palpable. It is so real. Um, I am, like Kim, cautiously optimistic. We are moving into a time where we're able to have uh, important conversations um, that are tough. Um, and I'm grateful for this movement. I, I am encouraged by looking out at the many hues that are putting their lives at risk to, um, to make this movement um, important. Um, so I, I am, again, cautiously optimistic. I think from my mind, so that's my heart. It's full of many emotions. But in terms of my mind, you know, I, I want to think I'm an educator. So I always think about how can we educate ourselves, right? So at the end of this, we have to think about, one, our own mind. Uh, number one, what do we know? So Kim has an arsenal of knowledge. But there are many of us who do not. So the question is, how do we get at that, right? And how do we get at our own implicit biases that we, again, it's, it's, we don't even know that we have, right? Um, so I want us to, again, think about and know what our history is. We have been robbed um, mm -hmm. of, of really the truth. And so what has, what has caused all of this is really not being able to acknowledge the truth. Um, so, so to be able to be in the space to talk about the truth is important. I think when I also think about this movement, um, and, and you know, we have this term Black Lives Matter uh, connected to this movement, that is the movement. Um, I also want people to know that that does not mean that all lives don't matter. Um, it is important, the, the, the term Black Lives Matter to me is a rally cry, right? We are two times more likely to be killed than, uh, even though we're unarmed. So like that's, that's the key, like, so that's why we have to say it because clearly, uh, the systematic racism says that, in fact, our lives do not matter. So the systematic mm -hmm. racism and the hate that exists. So those are the things that are on my heart and mind. And I'm looking forward to teasing some of those out today. Thank you, Cheryl. How about you, Tennille? So thank you so much for creating this atmosphere for us to be able to communicate and educate others. And so I think it's really important that at this time that we're investing in this conversation, that we're being very intentional as far as where we utilize our voice and our power. And so it's critical that we infuse power into diversity and that we're able to create a community where all members in that community have the ability to be a part of the conversation of um, just inclusion, a strategic plan of inclusion. So as I spoke earlier, I am I'm born and raised in Hamilton Township. We have 90,000 residents and growing up in Hamilton Township, predominantly a Caucasian municipality. So, and, and you know, growing up in a school system where at times I was the only, only uh, African-American student in the entire school there was always difficulties. And I, you know, I have stories for days. 
in regards to how I was treated by my teachers. But there were individuals who protected me in the school system. So, yes, my parents were, were visible. Uh, they had to come up to the school many of times. I was one of those students who my father fought for me and made sure that I was in A-level classes when teachers wanted to pull me out and place me into B-level, C-level classes where there wasn't a reason behind it. It was just because I, because of the color of my skin. But there were uh, individuals, my, I remember my vice uh, principal, Mr. Simic, who, you know, Caucasian male fought for me. And I think this is the difference that you see. So right now I have excitement in my heart because I see individuals who do not look like me that are fighting for equality that want to see um, the ability for all mankind to have the same type of rights and abilities that everyone has. And so they are now recognizing their privilege. And so they're utilizing their privilege to be intentional and to fight for others. And that's exciting. So, you know, as we go on, I'll, I'll talk about um, myself being on the front line, uh, protesting against businesses here in, in, uh, in Mercer County, and some of the things that we're looking to do um, to prepare for that plan of action. That's great, that's great, thank you. Um, Patricia, how about you? I'll, I'll take a page out of uh, Cheryl's book too and, and talk about what's in my heart first and then talk about what's on my mind and I echo the rest of the ladies. Thank you so much for allowing this very safe space uh, of inclusion and dialogue. And uh, I know we all recognize this is just the beginning, um, but I'm so grateful that the Invest Her community is truly invested in all of us. Um, so uh, my situation is slightly different, um, but, uh, but is also my heart is filled with fear I am the mother of a 16-year-old biracial boy who, on the street, reads as a black boy. Um, mm -hmm. He is now, my boy is now 6'2 and 240 pounds. He reads as a black man, and that fills me with tremendous fear. Every single mom on this panel knows what I'm talking about. And I am driving across the country with him right now on this wonderful two-week odyssey, and we're having a lovely time together. Um, but I am in driving through um, states that I'm not familiar with, um, and that fills me with fear. And I'll be honest, this, this is the kind of thing that black parents deal with all the time, and I have to only deal with it sort of sporadically. doesn't mean that I'm not afraid for him all the time when he's with my ex versus when he's with me. Um, but here I am, I'm, I'm in one of the Midwestern states, and I do not want to send him into the 7-Eleven by himself. Um, and because I'm a mixed race woman, um, and I appear white, I use my white privilege, um, to shield him and protect him, um, because I feel like I have to. So the amount of fear and anxiety and tension and anger I have, um, is present, you know, virtually all the time. Um, I... I'm also cautiously optimistic. I'm seeing a level of uh, discourse and dialogue and um, anger that I think is absolutely valid and needed in order to push this conversation to the next level. So um, I'm also cautiously optimistic. Um, the piece of it that's in my mind is um, the ways in which 
uh, white people need to start talking about racism because racism and the systemic racism in our country is primarily you know, as a result of, of white people. White people need, this is our problem. We need to start talking about this to each other. Yeah, One yeah. of the things that, that really um, I find heartbreaking and angering is the idea that, um, that well-meaning white people don't know what to do about their privilege, don't understand it, and they're, and they're asking their um, black colleagues and friends and coworkers, and that puts this this issue of emotional labor um, on the on the mantle on the shoulders of folks of color. Andressa's nodding in her head because she and I were fired up with each other a couple of weeks ago having this conversation, and it's and it's heartbreaking. So you know, white people need to be talking to each other about their privilege um, and not not um, asking. Um, folks of color to do the emotional labor of teaching and educating us. And so that's, that's certainly been, you know, in my head as well. And then to circle back to the investor um, community, you know, I'm, I'm so thrilled that we get a chance to have this conversation here because one of the things that we really need to do is be mindful of the ways in which we impact our communities, um, both in, in stabilizing property, um, offering quality, secure housing for all the community. Uh, we have a really very important, as investors, role to play in the very fabric of fairness in the communities that we invest in. So um, thinking about how to move forward with those ideas is kind of what's on the top of mind for me this morning. Good. Thank you. Well, I thought I was like, okay, this is going to be very emotional, but you know, just hearing you guys, I'm having like goosebumps already all the t across my body. And I want to segue with something that Brene Brown, she interviewed Austin Channing Brown about her book, I'm Still Here. And she says something that is very profound. There, it says the work of anti-racism is the work of becoming a better human to another human. So when we talked about doing this edition, it's because it's our problem. It's not like their problem. It's exactly. our problem. And when, you know, the latest uh, episodes with the murder of um, George Floyd happened, I was raged, raged and crying and a lot of different emotions just bursted out. So my question to you guys, today is June 19th, it's my son's birthday, but this is also a very important date in history, right? And I don't wanna dismiss that portion. So it's been a long time since we've been talking about it, things are happening, and it sounds that only once when something dramatic happened, people wake up, and then they go back to sleep, and then they pretend that things are getting better, but then something else bursted out. Mm -hmm. Is this it? Because I have, like, is this it? This last event? Are we going to see change? Do you believe we're going to see real change now? What is different from the other episodes that happened before? Is this the last drop? Just want to hear from you guys. When, when, when I listen to you, Andressa, and I've used this uh, metaphor before in reference to America and, and where we are with this repetitive issue 
of of taking people's lives, taking black lives um, on live television, right? I liken it to an alcoholic, right? A functioning alcoholic who has to admit that they have a problem. America, in my opinion, has not admitted the stain on this country and the economic engine that they used in the form of black people to build their wealth. They have not done that. So you can't go to AA unless you say, I'm America and I'm an alcoholic and I, I, I wanna change. You, you, I don't believe that you can do that honestly with integrity and commitment. Uh, so is it gonna to continue to happen? I, I pray that it doesn't, but I think we're at a place in history where there's a powder cane that's taken place and, and there's frustration across the races that this is not right. Um, I believe a major step in healing is going to be, to be admitting and atoning for it and changing policies uh, and conditions uh, in this country. I believe that's the only way. I, I, I believe when the first African-American or, or black president was elected in Obama, that that pulled the scab off of races in this country. How dare they, people of color, move into our White House, right? That pulled the scab off and this, I don't know if we're getting into politics, but the fact of the matter is that's the country that we live in. And, and then fast forward with this current uh, administration is just opened the door to the thrash of, of, of racial behavior that has amplified. Um, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I'm going to use that word, that there are more um, human and, and, and honest uh, and loving people in this country that are not going to tolerate it on national television, watching the life of a human being drain out of his body. Yeah. So, Kim, I, I think you, you have to talk about politics. There's no way that we can have a conversation about race and what's going on in our country without amplifying the importance of voting. And so the Black vote is, is, is very powerful. Um, and Black women in particularly have been uh, the backbone of the Democratic Party. And so we will come out to vote and we will more than likely vote Democrat. And so I personally would like to see that our vice president um, be a, a black woman. And so I think that is the direction that we are, we're going. We're going to be seeing a woman of color uh, running on the ticket with Joe Biden. And I think that's going to be very important because you're going to need someone to be able to uh, be a representative of our community and have a, an understanding of what we're going through and to be able to communicate to us. Um, you, you're going to need to be able to pull out that vote. And so the other piece of, to me, making sure that uh, we understand politics and that we're talking about politics at our dinner table is it's, it's running everything from who you're appointing as your judges, um, who you're putting in as captain of your police forces, um, you're hiring through you know, your public, whether you know, superintendents um, in your school systems. These are things that people have to understand. This is your vote. Uh, 
So when things happen, who is your representative? Who are you going to? Who, who's actually fighting for you? It's very important that we understand politics and that we also um, have under more individuals that are running for office. Mm-hmm. I want to see more women running for office. I want to see more people of color running for office. These things are critical and they have to happen. I agree. Um, first, Kim, I love your analogy. The alcoholic analogy is, is key because I do believe that you cannot grow or change unless you can call whatever that is that is holding you back. And the reality is that we have been, again, lied to um, in terms of our history, whether that was direct lies or whether it was omission. Either way, our history has not been told. And you're right, we haven't owned it. And as a result of that, we continue to repeat it. We're essentially insane as a country because we can continue, we're continuing to repeat ourselves over and over and over again. And to get at your question, Andressa, it, I do believe just um, like Tanil mentioned that we in fact must, um, must vote. Uh, it is crucial that our voices are heard. It is crucial that we are represented. Um, but even more than that, it is important for us to have those important conversations. To me, um, things are get, get built out of conversation. And, and you did mention, you know, that it has, happens at our dinner tables. Absolutely. It happens in our schools. And that when things get built, again, harmony and peace get built. Understanding gets built in conversation. And then we need to act. And again, one of those things to act is voting, um, putting our money uh, where, where our, 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 uh, our voice is, where we want our voice. So, so really supporting those things from an economic standpoint as well. Um, it, is, it is, again, it is critical to our existence. Um, now, when we, when we think about, again, going back in history, and really understanding, um, you know, where we are. And I want to mention, I want to say happy Juneteenth to everyone as well. But again, this is, a, this is something that a lot of us didn't even know about. And what, what this means is that we're still not free. <laughs> we're still in bondage as it relates to, um, you know, this, this country. We don't have equity. We don't have access. And we need to begin to have those conversations so that we are not just talking about police brutality and being um, treated, you know, unfairly um, in, as it relates to our, our legal rights, but also in, in our housing and, and, and employment, um, you know, those in, in, in income and wealth. We need to start to think about those kinds of things as well in order for us um, to make change. And it has to start with our children as well. Again, I'm, I'm an educator, so I speak from that, that point of view. Um, but we have to begin to, 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 again, right this wrong by first admitting and then having conversations. And I want to also say that these conversations are not pretty. These conversations should not be pretty. Um, I've been having dialogue with folks who are uncomfortable. And guess what? We're going to have to be in this space uncomfortable because racism is uncomfortable. And so we have to say some words that make us feel a little, little bad, right? But to make us look at ourselves and really question who we are, um, we need to have the courage to have those critical conversations and to do the self-work um, you know, by looking at ourselves and really identifying the value that we place on, a, on skin color. We must do that. And that's the only way that we're really going to turn this corner. I think we are at a 
pivotal, pivotal point. We are really at a tipping point um, and we can go one way or the other. And I think, again, we need to really, really um, harness this time and, and we need to get out here and, and have the conversations just like we're doing right now. Yeah, that's all very, very powerful what, you're, what everyone's saying here. I'm, I'm thinking... I'm thinking about a few different things. So that's usually how this goes. I literally have like three different ways to take this, but I'm going to go back to the conversations because there are a lot of people and I'll, I'll speak personally. There are a lot of white people who want to be part of the solution, right? They don't know all the facts. They don't know all the statistics. So they avoid conversations with their friends and their family. And I don't want to say they become resigned, but, uh, you know, just in talking to people, right? They're just like, it's really hard. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't want to do the wrong thing. So what a lot of people will do, right? A lot of, I should say a lot of white people could do. Okay, I'm just going to put that over there, wait for everything to die down, and hopefully I'll just be a good person and mm -hmm. we'll, you know, keep moving on. We don't want all, none of us want that to happen, right? We want to be, this is, obviously, this is going to be a huge shift. So I'm thinking personally, I get into conversations with family. I get into conversations with neighbors, right? People I'm around all the time. They do not share all my viewpoints. Um, but I, I've been going there with people and, you know, to teach white privilege, because I, I learned that in social work school. I mean, I got introduced to that, trying to know what it was, you know? And then I'm like, wow, that's powerful. Um, you know, I guess my question, before, I'm just kind of rambling here, but my question here for this group and the question for all of us is how do we, how do we get into dialogue with people that do not see the world as we do, but we don't have all the facts to like go up against their facts. Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's a, like, as women, especially women, right? Like, I want to have it all. Like, and I, I almost like, oh, I should have said this. Oh, I should have said that. You know, we got into a big debate, I um, mean, a, a, a neighbor recently. And I, I, you know, I said what I said. I didn't back down. I was very kind in what I said, but I said, well, there's another perspective here. That's not necessarily true. Then they said some statistics and I'm like, I don't know if that's true. Like, it's so, so I think people just sometimes don't know where to go. And it's like um, in that conversation, but we just want to say the right thing to shift that viewpoint. Does this make any sense? I, I don't know if you have any recommendations for the women listening, because I can't be the only one yeah. in these conversations. And they just kind of, we kind of get like a little stopped because we're like, not sure. And we're like, okay, well, this is, they're not changing their opinion. I'm not changing my opinion. You know, just go back to talking about the weather. I mean, you know, so it's just, I, I just love to get some insight there. So, what so the, what, oh, sorry, sorry, Kim. What, 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 what comes to my mind, Liz, is a couple of things. Number one, let our differences make us stronger. It's like a quilt, right? Like who said that that's not healthy? Okay, let's build the fabric based on our differences, our different perspectives, our different opinions, and our different views. That's not a bad thing. Number two, we have to look in a truth mirror and hold ourselves accountable for what we do with our 24 hours a day in reference to knowledge, education, exposure, right? Um, confidence in conversation is based on data and information. We have to be committed as all people, white people, people of color, to educate yeah. ourselves, yeah. okay? There is a beautiful, if you have not been there, the National Museum of African American History and Culture in DC. If you have not been there, go there. Yeah. I encourage you to take your family there, okay? It is a beautiful depiction of historical data about the, the capturing of Africans that were brought to this land as hostages, 
and used as free labor. And it begins at that journey and it takes you through the, the current culture and contributions that people of color have made to this country. They built the White House, okay, slaves did. So if you begin to educate yourself, that's where one can start. I'm reminded of the Holocaust. And I've been to the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in D.C. If you haven't been, go. Mm -hmm. But there is a standard of education in Germany that every child, every child is educated about the Holocaust and fascism and how that happened so that it doesn't happen again. In this country, we need to be committed, and you can appreciate this, Cheryl, as an educator. We have got to educate ourselves. We've got to be the village that educates our children and our neighbors and our family, even if they don't want to hear it. Yeah, That's our responsibility. That's our truth. That's our commitment to yes. knowing the truth about this country. Um, I'll say this. Uh, my husband and I was at a dinner meeting over 10 years ago at a friend of his uh, home, and there was a couple, it was a white couple, and it was around 9-11. It was after 9-11. And we, there was pontificating going on about what happened, you know, who was behind it. And the wife of this guy, there was a couple, she left because she was refusing to believe that this country would do something so horrific to its citizens. And she physically was angry. She was a teacher. She said, I'm not going to listen to this anymore. I'm leaving. And she told her husband, let's go. So there are people with blinders on who refuse to educate themselves about the truth of this country. And we have to be committed yeah. to educate yeah. ourselves and share that knowledge so that we can end those conversations, Liz, say, uh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. Blacks, they, they, they invented the elevator. They invented the traffic light. They did all this. They contributed to the fabric of this country. In fact, right. I got to, I got to step it up. I mean, I know things, but I, yeah, I got to step it up. That's very clear. Can I jump Kim, in? That so, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Sure. No, no, no. I think you're next. Go ahead. Okay. No worries. So, um, so I think the reality is, I, Kim, you, you hit the nail on the head. I think, Liz, for all of us, and this, this is everyone, this is all, all races need to educate ourselves. And there's a, there's a really awesome documentary. It's called um, Race, the Power of Illusion, that really does talk about this country's, um, you know, history. And it, it, it really starts to talk about, it starts by talking about who we are as humans first, right? That we are actually more alike. Like Liz, you and I likely have more DNA that's alike than maybe Kim and I have, for example. Um, but our skin on the outside makes us, again, look or appear different. And there has been science that has tried to say that, no, we are inferior. Like, I want you to know, science was used to say that we are different and inferior. Um, and, and based on, we, we've been called not human. I mean, I, I, I think it's really important for us to understand, again, what was what this country was really founded upon. And then as a result of it, every time we'd make a step, that there were then systems put into place to take us a few steps back. It's important for us to really be aware of that. So before we can begin to have those conversations, we need to arm ourselves with information. And again, that's a it's a three part um, a three part documentary. It's it's really incredible. Um, I think it's really life altering. It talks about housing and redlining and what what mm -hmm. it is. Um, and so I think for this particular, this is a, a great spinoff show that you guys could do for this to really talk about that market. There were there were people that were literally going to white folks when black people were moving in their neighborhood, saying, "Hey, there there are black people moving in. We will buy your house for cash." Because don't, you don't want to live here, right, with these black people. And, and of course, even, even white people that weren't racist were like, well, uh, I want the value of my, I don't want the value of my home to go down. 
So they, they moved. Uh, that's causing white flight. So I think it's important for us, again, to educate ourselves as much as possible. And it's okay to say, you know what, I don't really, I don't know about that. And then you go and research that. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. as an educator, I don't know everything. And so when I don't know, I have to go find out. And you need to make sure you're looking at credible sources. And you need to also pull on your own community to say, hey, this is what I heard, right? Is this true? And maybe they, they know some resources that you can, can get yeah. in as well. I, I applaud you, Liz, for having the conversation because that is, that is the important piece of that. And sometimes, again, those conversations are not necessarily going to be pretty, but they're necessary. Yeah. I'm curious, have you been struggling to keep your vacation rental booked? I totally get it. It's tough to manage and keep filled. But we found something that really works. It's called Vacasa. They've seriously changed the game for a lot of the BP audience. In almost every market they're in, Vacasa manages to fill up the calendar more than anyone else. And get this, the average Vacasa user sees about 24% more bookings than with other managers. That's a lot of extra income. Curious to see what you could be earning? You can get a personalized income estimate right there. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised at what Vacasa can do for you. Check out biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa, spelled V-A-C-A-S-A. Biggerpockets.com slash Vacasa. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patricia, you want to say something? Yeah, I, uh, just to um, piggyback on a couple of points and what a fertile um, dialogue to be having this morning. I think that um, absolutely it's incumbent upon us um, as, uh, as white folks, as folks in other communities to begin the painful and, and probably humiliating um, uh, self-introspection, looking at the ways in which we, we are racist because we couldn't, there's, we, we breathe this air, we drink this water, um, and systemic racism really pervades every single cell in our body. And it's imperative that we, in order to come to the table, heart open, mind open, with a, with a, a critical and logical and rational eye as much as we can, we have to start to examine the ways in which systemic racism has um, completely colored our, our vision, our ways of thinking. Um, and 
you know, and, and that's a constant, a constant conversation to have uh, with ourselves. I've been having that conversation with myself for decades. Um, and I think that it's coming upon anybody to, to be doing that. It's, um, it's part of the self-work that Andressa talks about in referring to Brene Brown and, and how we become better human beings over time. Um, it's about race. It's about class. It's about uh, LGBT rights. Uh, and it's kind of all the other ways in which we are other, in which we are other, um, in which we are not safe, single, or, or not single, but um, uh, uh, straight white men. If you're not a straight white man, which in terms of power in our country, um, you are an other. If you're not a straight white man in America, you are an other. You are not part of the power paradigm. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and to talk about politics um, at our dinner tables is absolutely imperative because when we're talking about politics we're talking about power and when we're talking about power we're talking about all the ways in which we can wield the power we have and to have those important conversations with adults in our lives um, friends family colleagues neighbors uh, kind of whosoever calling it out on the street when you see it as well um, and then circling back to, to a quick point I had about education, you know, I, I have a three-year-old. And um, as a family physician, I will tell you that um, there have been plenty of studies that shows that children uh, as young as three years old have already started to exhibit uh, preferences for playmates based on skin color. Yes. There, and if we're going to be intentional about how we raise up other generations, how we change and plant the seeds for a different conversation, for a different dialogue, for a different outcome when they're 18, 20, 30, 40 years old, we have to start with children. And yeah. so it's not just about having books with different color kids on it. It's about having books with stories that show the active protagonists being folks of color, the active protagonists being women, the active protagonists being immigrants. All the others need to have active roles in these children's books. So I think the education that we're talking about, and man, this is grand scheme, a, a, a grand wish and hope, is that the edu education we, we would want for ourselves and, and for our country um, really has to span the generations, the generations. We, we all have plenty of older folks in our lives whose perspectives could stand to be shifted a bit. And certainly mm -hmm. we all have young children too. And many of us are, are parents of young children. So um, I think I'm, I, I think those were all the sort of loose end points I had in my head from, from many of your comments in front of me, but uh, that's, that's so what I've been thinking. Backing on, on that, right. The children, that's where the conversations are right now. I want to hear from you guys, how we can raise anti-racist kids that are aware of their surroundings because they're not born racist, right. right? Nobody is. So how can be conscious? And I think that starts with, of course, our parents, the schools, and how we consciously make those, those decisions from a book to the school and, you know, the, the friends that we surround ourselves with. What are the conversations that you guys are having with your kids now? And what are the things that you guys are implementing? Kim, you want to start on that? Sure, sure. Um, as you were saying that, Andressa, I was thinking that we have to check ourselves. And I just had this conversation with my husband this morning in that um, behaviors are 
learned at the kitchen table within our family dialogues and, and at the cookouts in reference to the children, because they will repeat what they hear us say, right? Uh, in reference to our biases, our lingo, our language. So we need to be conscious of what's coming out of our mouth around our children. And then uh, we need to be conscious in, in, in pouring into them richness around uh, the fact that everybody should be loved. You know, everybody is equal in reference to ethnicity and, and, and gender. So I think we have to be intentional on, on how we're pouring in. I mean, we've got educators and physicians on, on this podcast. Like, um, <laughs> you know, the mind is a blank slate with children. Based on the village, it's colored and is nurtured and or it's, it's stained and, and built into a toxic personality. So we need to be conscious about who we are as, as guides and teachers first, and then make corrections when we see our children, uh, you know, spew certain comments or make certain uh, gestures that are not healthy. We, we, I, I call it the attitude adjustment hour. Like you gotta just adjust that attitude because I'm not liking that based on the standards in our village and in our household. And, and that's our responsibility as the elders, as the teachers, as the parents. I, I could not agree more, Kim. Um, you know, I think you, you can't educate someone else unless you are educated. It's, it's just, it's just the, it's really like, you know, you put your seatbelt on or, or your mask you know, on the plane, put your mask on before you put someone else's help someone else with their mask. But I also think it's, there's something that I, I want people to also not do. So there are a lot of things that you can do, right? Uh, obviously, uh, make certain that you have a variety of books that you're reading that, that um, Patricia mentioned, that you know, you're, you're celebrating a variety of cultures, a variety of races, of a, you know, of, you know, celebrating straight and, and, and gay and queer, celebrating everyone, because as you mentioned, everyone deserves the love. But also to make certain while you're celebrating that, that you stop saying something like, I don't see color. Like, you know, that in and of itself, when people say, oh, I'm not racist, I don't see color. If you can't tell that I am a beautiful black woman, then you are missing out. Like, right? I, I need love that. You are not seeing <laughs> oh, who I fully am. I like this because it just is so good. <laughs> You're, you're not saying who I fully am. It's, it's important. And again, as you mentioned, Patricia, you're absolutely right. Young children see race. We are always, with pre-K children, I'm sure your three-year-old, you're teaching him, this is a triangle and this is a circle. But guess what? It's the value that we place on that triangle and that circle that matters. So again, we're teaching them that everyone deserve love, deserves love and everyone is of value, just like those shapes. So they're, Guess what? They're different. Yes. And I want to acknowledge that they're different, but they're also important. All of them. No one is higher or better than the other. And that is a difference. Race is a social construct. It's something that we have made up to make people superior and make people inferior. It doesn't even exist. Right. So we need to start from that point um, and, and celebrate our differences. Um, you know, celebrate the fact that, you know, we have to come together and really understand where another perspective is coming from, right? Um, so, so that is what I would like to do. Again, books, education, um, you know, movies, uh, documentaries, those things are important for us to educate ourselves and to share with our, with our folks. Um, but again, to really teach people to say, hey, these things are different and they're of value and of, of importance. That's what I really want to see. 
about you, Tenille? So I think, you know, we have to be able to applaud our youth. Um, right now, they are the lead in regard to the protests that we've been seeing in the past months, and it's been amazing. And so they are carrying that energy. Like each of one of you have already said, it's really important for us to, if, if someone is, is, is saying something that is inappropriate, we have to call them out on it. And if you're at the dinner table and aunt or uncle makes a comment, you have to call them out on it. Because in today's message, we have to be more aligned than ever before. And so for me, um, when it comes to making sure that we're investing in our youth in the right way, the curriculum has to change. Mm. Um, we need to really focus on African-American studies and to understand our, our heritage. And that's going to be critical. And like I said before, it really comes down to our elected officials making sure that ordinances are changed, that they incorporate um, percentages of contracts that go to minority-owned businesses, mm -hmm. um, that there are changes in our curriculum, that we are, any businesses that come into our areas and that gain tax credits, that those businesses have a, a diversity, uh, a supplier diversity um, plan in place. These mm -hmm. are just some of the smaller things that we can do, but it's really about having a plan of action and moving forward on that plan of action and making sure that there are uh, diverse voices at the table to push those types of things forward in our community. And, and to Neil, just to kind of bounce off of your comments, I, I concur, I co-sign, and I also see in this climate that major corporations, organizations, are acknowledging their deficiency around diversity, right? Uh, I just read the Philadelphia Magazine editor uh, has stepped down, right? Because that magazine has come under fire over the past years uh, of, of showing uh, imbalance around diversity, right? So he has said, I'm out. I'm part of the problem. Uh, and organizations are making obviously, you know, statements about the injustices, but they're also reaching out uh, and consciously saying, we need to do better. We right. need to do better. So that's a good thing. The piece about education is critical. Uh, and, and, and kudos to you, Tanil, for being on council and, and pushing the involvement in the politics and the education platform. Uh, because we, as the village, have to take responsibility for supplemental education. We cannot just rely on the classrooms to teach a holistic spectrum of knowledge. There's a book out called Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen, right? And he, 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 he researched and analyzed the history books that, were, that are in schools across America uh, and looked at different topics within those history books and how the authors and the controllers of the history textbooks have minimized, eliminated, uh, and devalued certain important pieces of our history. But this is what's being taught to our children. So if we're not involved in that board of, of education, or if we're not holding uh, the, 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 
the school textbooks, publishers accountable for what they're putting in there, then they're going to feed our children whatever they want the narrative to be. Right, right. So we have to be involved. We have to be involved. And just to jump in on corporation and um, yes, we've seen a lot of corporations who are making uh, large donations to uh, various nonprofits that would invest in whether it's educational opportunities for uh, people of color and specifically blacks. And I, I think that's fantastic. However, I do want to see there, there be a representation from executive levels, uh, board memberships, especially publicly traded companies because those board memberships are, are paid memberships um, and also they you know provide uh, stock options for individuals as well and so i think that when we talk about building uh, wealth within the black community these are things that are important and should be a part of our, our agenda so one of the things that we were talking about because right now in hamilton township we had two uh, local business owners put up some really uh, despicable and awful racial comments on their social media page and mm -hmm. so We've led um, several protests in front of those businesses, and you know I've been out there, and it's it's important um, that we are present. And so they've asked us to to come to the table with you know what are your demands, what do you want, and so it's <laughs> you know it's that's hilarious. Right. You're, then you're, again, the 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 solu It's on you to provide the solution. And not to take the load and the job to figure it out. Exactly. And not for them to change their behavior and acknowledge their <laughs> racist rants. Right. And Tracy and uh, Tracy and Spax, and I'm sure you're with him yeah. doing a great job holding that right. business accountable. It comes right. down to the economics of it. Thank you. Thank you. And it, it's like we want to see supplier diversity. Um, we want to be able to see, yes, you in the community, you donating to various nonprofits that can amplify the, the lives of, of Blacks and, and um, other diverse communities. But at the end of the day, it's being able to, like you said, maybe shift some people out of positions so we create opportunities for other people of color. And we can't be afraid to ask for those things. Um, and and I'm, I'm on fire right now, guys. Like I said, I am beyond excited. So don't tell me anymore that we're just going to look for, um, you know, one seat at the table for a person of color. We need to ask for several seats at the table. Yeah. And, and I just want to like talk about what, is, what you're saying right now, because it, it fell to me so many times when I read that one seat is just so they comply with diversity. So it's courageous. They're yeah. not acknowledging it. They're just, okay, listen, I have one seat over here, so I'm good. So right. I completely agree with you. This That's like, I'm not demanding one seat. I am like the whole thing. You were saying that those conversations start happening. One thing that I see in you is like you're fire, you feel empowered. And I think that a lot of people are not feeling that they, the, somebody else has the power, not them. 
what would you say to those, especially young, young teenagers that are, are navigating this? Um, they feel that they need to be allowed or the decision is not for them to make and their voice, well, mine as well. I'm not even on the table. So my voice doesn't matter how they can get their power back. Create your own space, <laughs> create your own space, create build your own the build, build the table. Guess what? You, yeah. you're, you are powerful. You, you have what it takes. You have the, the tools. And so eventually they're going to have to meet you where you are. Um, there was a, there was a, recently, there was a meeting that, that occurred and, um, people were telling me about this meeting. And so uh, when they named the individuals there, there wasn't one woman present. Mm -hmm. And I said, how could you have a meeting and not have a woman's voice at this meeting? And so they were just like, oh, and it didn't, it didn't even, they didn't think twice about it. And so these are the things that we have to call people on. You will not have a meeting in my community and not have a woman's voice at the table, period. There's mm. several women's voices at the table. And so these are things that we're gonna have to call them on. And so um, you are going to have to create your own, your own space. And one of the things that we are doing, we uh, created a diversity and um, inclusion leadership council in Mercer County. And so that particular council will come together and focus on diversity and inclusion uh, within Mercer County, but we are going to be focusing on the Black agenda for 2020. Um, we're, we want to be able to go to our, our mayor and elected officials and ask for them to put ordinances in place that do um, ask for a percentage of contracts go to minority-owned businesses. Um, that we do, like I said before, the supplier diversity, that we look at the recruitment for our police and fire and our municipal court systems. Um, so these are just some of the conversations and some of the things that we want to be able to bring forth. We think that local businesses over uh, that have 10 or more people should go through some type of diversity and inclusion type training and talking about unconscious bias, um, talking about race and allyship. So it's just we had to create our own space. You know, folks aren't always going to invite you to the table and that that's going to happen, but you create your own space and you move forward and you work very hard and you, you know, continue to be dedicated to the cause. I just need to add, like, there is a undercurrent and a fact of the matter that what is going to have to change is making a decision in the white male dominated economy. What are you willing to give up? Because it's all about power, money, and control yes. and having the entire pie, right? And not wanting to share it. Uh, so this shift that we are forcing ourselves to have seats at the table and, and some of the economic pie is, they've got to figure out what they're going to give up. I mean, nepotism is real. Um, you know, having the majority of the contracts is real. Talk about real estate. Okay, I've been to, I'm a member of a number of organizations, but, and I, I said this in um, a listening session just recently with this international real estate organization that I have been a card holding member for over a decade. And I, as a black professional woman, have built the mental muscle to walk into a room of 500 predominantly white males in real estate. Why? Because I want the knowledge. But what I realize is that you know, I was just a few people of color in the room 
aside from the wait staff. So the real estate industry is ex exemplifies the economic machine around particularly real estate, if I could pivot to that, that we live in. So the question is, what are you willing to share? Yeah. And economically, I, you exactly. have got to make a decision that, you know, we can create and be architects of inclusion and share that pie. Otherwise, you just, you know, um, you know, just lip flapping and giving, um, you know, just hollow talk. How much mm -hmm. are you willing to share? Right. There and is not a void of qualified Black-owned companies and, and Black professionals, women or men, that can sit and, 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 and perform. There is not. There's a, there has to be a willingness to be inclusive. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, um, to your, to your I, I, I agree with, with all of your comments, ladies. I think it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I really love that architect of inclusion. That's a really... Um, a, a great image. Um, but I, I want to get back to the empowerment. Like how do, how do people who don't feel like they can, how can they build that muscle that Kim has to walk into a room and feel confident? And I think, again, it goes back to educating ourselves. But I, I do think that it is, it is important to also recognize from where you've come, right? So, um, you know, we stand on the shoulders of so many people that look like us who are inventors. Um, so many who have paved a way for us to be educated. Um, you know, I think it's important for us to go back and look at those people that look just like us and to know that it is possible, right? I think that's the important piece is to remember, I, re I remember um, you know, having a conversation with my um, brother and he was really just feeling down on himself. And I remember saying to him, but you come from queens and kings and you, you know, you, your, your uh, ancestors built the pyramids. And I, and I went on and he goes, no, 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 that's white people did that. Mm. And I said, say, say again, uh, he didn't know. And then he burst into tears when I showed him pictures. No, oh, these people look like you. He didn't know. Um, it's important for us to show them images of powerful black people powerful people of color who have made a difference in this world. We, and, and that's how you feed yourself and know that, I, you know what, I do belong at that table, right? And that's, that's important. You, you need to really build the confidence. And so here's the thing. It's very interesting for us to balance this fear, right, of, of being Black and this ability to raise someone who is confident. It is tough. It is a tough thing to do, but we must pour into our children so that they feel confident. And again, that's by showing them images that look like them. I, I want to jump in um, quickly and, and speak to those of us who might be listening to this podcast <clears throat> in the future about how to be a good ally. Because mm -hmm. one of the things that, um, uh, that, that allies and potential allies need to understand is um, we need to do our own work. So we cannot, um, uh, we, we can no longer um, uh, take a backseat to our own um, emotional, racial understanding evolution. We have to do that self-work. And so for allies out there who are going to be watching this, I would say to you, um, do that work internally. Read books, listen to podcasts, talk to other people in your community, in your families about how you can be a good ally. Look to Black leadership 
and take cues from black leadership about how you can use your privilege, which does exist, to support black leadership, to uh, dismantle the, the, the racial injustice and, and systemic racial injustice in, the, in this country, learn to understand um, your own thinking first, change the things that need to be changed, uh, be prepared to move forward, it's gonna be hard. And what that means is that white folks who are walking into a meeting in which there are no people of color have to be able to say, why are we having this? Why are we having this meeting? Like, like Daniel was talking about, why are we having this meeting and there's no woman? I have to be willing to walk into a, a, a community a, a meeting and say, why are there no folks of color here? You know, and I have to be willing to go out and do that, which I'd like to say, I think most of the time I actually end up doing, but we have to be willing to be allies you know, it's that idea between character and integrity. Character is what you display when people are watching. Integrity is the thing that you display when nobody's watching. Mm -hmm. So if you are a true ally, then when you walk into that room, that community uh, meeting, and there's nothing but white folks staring back at you, you have to be willing to say, oh no, this is not okay. We do mm -hmm. not have all the voices. So let's recognize that and figure out ways to rectify it right here and right now. You have to be willing to do that. That's what I think being a good ally is, 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 um, American Indians have this idea. It's a, it's a notion of phrase. It's called being straight with your medicine. And mm -hmm. medicine is your spirit, right? So it's the idea of the alignment of your intent, of your spirit, with your words, with your actions. That's what it means to be straight with your medicine. So my grandmother uh, uh, would say to me, um, give me ideas about, are you straight with your medicine around this, about this? That's what allies need to do. We need to start getting straight with our medicine about this. We have to change our internal conversation, understand the ways in which that we have been poisoned with systemic racism, undo that in every little bit and large part that we can. But we have to be willing to uh, display that kind of integrity and allyship when nobody of color is watching. That's mm -hmm. gonna be important. It's the closed door power that we can wield in some of the most imp important meetings that we are involved in. And, okay. and Dr. Patricia, what, what, what I'll add to that from a educational perspective is, and there are examples historically of that to strengthen someone's position today. I'm talking about abolitionists. Like yes. as slaves, we would not have been able to escape the bondage without the white allies, without abolitionists who put themselves on the line uh, of, of death to help us escape that. So they their 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 moral compass was was righteous uh in the era of bondage and slavery that they knew that this wasn't right Indeed. they knew that this wasn't right so there are examples in history today for allies to look at and 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 mirror and and say if they did it back then then i can do it today in a different way Indeed. Yeah, and I was just going to say that I think that's a great place for people to start, you know, to, to change policy. And there's so many things that need to happen. But what do we have control over, right? I mean, ultimately, what do we really have? Like, literally today, what do I have control over? And, you know, you know, all the women listening, you know, look at every circle you're involved in. Look at your professional life. Look at your personal life. Look at the people you surround yourself with. Um, where can you get educated more? Where can you go within and go, where am I falling short? Where have I been in conversations and I haven't said anything? Or, you know, we all have to kind of have that come to Jesus meeting with ourselves, right? And I think if you really want to be a, a, a be part of the solution, I don't think you can get away with not having that conversation mm -hmm. with yourself. Because just to say, well, I wouldn't do that. 
you know, I have, I have, I have black friends and I'm great and that's great, but we're, we all have areas to improve. I, I can't take anyone and say you're, you're a perfect, unless you're Mother Teresa maybe, but you know, um, I'm, she had stuff that she had to deal with, I'm sure, right? We all do as humans. So look at yourself. If you take nothing from this conversation, which has been absolutely amazing and fabulous on so many levels, look at yourself in the mirror, right? And say, if I really want to be part of the solution, where can I make a difference within myself? And then my communities and my families. I don't know. That, that, you don't know where to go? Start there. I mean, that might be a good place to start. And, and I, I would compliment that, Liz, by, you know, just being very personal in, in that shift and wanting to change the environment of this country that we live in to eliminate the need for a mother like myself to have a 31-year-old black male who's leaving the house at 11 o'clock at night to go out with his friends, kiss me and say, mom, if I don't make it back, I love you. We need to eliminate that, that need of that environment to know that that's the world that we're living in. For a son to say, in case I don't make it back, I love you. And for a mother to be here in fear and worry about the safety of our children out here in the world. That's just not a healthy place. So we have to each take account of, of how we can impact in a positive way the environment that we're, that we're creating in this world. Yeah, I think one of the things you guys asked about what can uh, folks do just as a parent. And as we all know, kids are always watching. But, you know, I, I asked parents quite often, has your child seen you break bread with a person of color at your home? And I think that is so important. So I will watch, you know, birthday parties of of folks that I'm friends with on social media. And I will zoom in and focus on the fact that there's not one black kid that is a part of your kid's birthday party. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? Why is that? You know, do you have friends of color? I am now in um, this executive MBA program with NYU, London School of Economics and HSCF Paris. And so there's 40, about over 40, classmates, and they're from all over the world. I'm working on a capstone project, and in my group, I have a person from Russia, India, Africa, France, like from everywhere. And I don't understand why individuals would want to just work with individuals or be friends with individuals that only look like them. It's ridiculous. The opportunity to understand someone else's culture to be brought into their home, um, to be able to, you know, talk to their families, eat their foods. Like that is amazing opportunity to learn their language. So mm-hmm. the fact that we that there are individuals out there that only want to connect with those that look like them. Um, you're, you're really, shame on you. Um, you. You know, you're taking away from great opportunities and perspectives that you could utilize in everyday life to develop yourself in your community. Ladies, this conversation has been amazing and I think we could continue on and on over here. But before we, we close this, I really want to 
get your thoughts for the future. What is the future that you want to see? And I'm not talking about like 100 years down the road. I'm talking like the future that you want to see before you live this spectrum and leave a legacy to your children. What do you want to see? For me, I definitely want to be able to see more people of color in office. I want to see more women in elected office and higher office. I want to see um, individuals, especially our youth, understanding the importance of their vote, um, that they're voting in primary elections, not just general, um, that they're voting. And, uh, you know, there's so many different areas. Sometimes you have a split between where you need to vote for your school board elections. Um, I want to see folks graduate from high school come home from college and immediately run for school board because they know the impact uh, that they have and they understand some of the issues that they just recently left. And so I think that's a critical point. And um, we really wanna be able to see more diversity in everything that we do from um, you know, board memberships to executive leadership uh, offices those things are going to be critical for us to be move, be able to move forward and see equality throughout our country. I think that, um, and I, I, I echo all of those things. I want to see those as well. I want to see first and foremost that we value black lives. So I don't ever, so I want to start with what I don't want to see. I don't want to see any more lives lost just because of the color of their skin. I want to see, um, instead of a, a pipeline to prison, I want a pipeline to college. And I want a pipeline to, um, you know, to, again, to further education. I want a pipeline to wealth. Um, I want a pipeline to power. Um, I want to be able to see, um, again, people breaking bread together, having this conversation um, so, so that we can see understanding and acceptance. Um, I want to see black men, black women. Um, I want to say their names because, not because they're dead. I wanna say their names because of the things that they're doing and the opportunities that they have because we've given them equity and access. Um, I wanna see a world that, um, that sees me and values me as a black woman, that values my family. Um, and so I, I really, and, and I want to see that in my lifetime. I, I think about Dr. Martin Luther King's dream, and um, and and we're you know we're far from it, right? Um, but I do think that we're getting there. I, I do want to see more seats at the table. Uh, I do want to see more executives. I do, um, I, I do want to see education really, really, really focusing on real and true history. I want to see that starting as young as it, again in preschool. Um, so those are the things that I envision that I, I hope to see. I, I would love for the United States of America to acknowledge um, the painful history that we have. If we, if we see that, I believe that all of those other things that I just mentioned can start to come to fruition. I, I certainly compliment uh, all the, the, the the voices and the, uh, the thoughts that were shared as well. Um, my father passed away 10 years ago at 72 and talk about, you know, what we'd like to see. 
And I know the elders of his generation thought that they would never see a black president. I mean, the elders in our community were just so taken, like, I thought I'd never see it. So that was a huge milestone. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I want to see again, also, you know, the value of, of black lives. Uh, I want to see uh, consistent, uh, healthy black images in the media. That has been a major part of the systemic racism are the negative black images that um, the powers of, of television and the media have been spewing into our psychology forever. Uh, I also want to see on the real estate side more social impact development. We have to acknowledge gentrification. We have to acknowledge um, the communities of, of Black folks that were left uh, to deteriorate through disinvestment uh, and, and then white flight. And now the resurgence back into these urban communities uh, and, and the displacement of people of color who were left behind, who can now not afford the high real estate taxes. There are vehicles out there like Opportunity Zones, New Market Tax Credits, financing other ways that as investors, we can, we can do social impact development and be, and be conscious and considerate of the communities that were left behind. Um, I'd like to also see the recreation of wealth building in the Black community. There are so many uh, stories and evidences of Black Wall Streets and Black communities that were built after um, you know, the freed uh, slaves that were built. Uh, Black Wall Street, do the research. I mean, they had hospitals, transportation systems, schools, banks. It was just enormously successful. Uh, I want to see Black communities get back to building wealth and also uh, just the consciousness of of financially supporting black businesses. You have a question, what can I do? Support a black business, you know, donate to a HBCU. Uh, there are ways that you can economically uplift the black community in your day-to-day -day, um, movement. So those are just a few things. I'll just offer um, a comment. I'm, I agree with all of you and, and the sentiments that you've expressed about what you all want for our future. Um, and so um, I'll just echo and say, I, I I, I no longer am willing to tolerate uh, folks who say that they are colorblind. That's not what I want for me, the future of my family, or my country. I want a color-rich country. I want a colorful country. And um, I'm not sure how we get there, but we have no choice but to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, um, we always say with everything we do in our community, don't just listen. Don't just think it's a great uh, podcast episode, but do something. Um, <laughs> if we've said that in the last hundred episodes, we really mean it now <laughs> because all of our yeah. lives depend on it, right? Yeah. So take one thing you can take from these four amazing women. Um, I have a page full of notes and I rarely take as many notes, to be honest with you. Not that I don't take notes, but I listen to our guests and I'm engaged, but I have a lot of homework and we all do. And we all need to take action as a result of today's episode. This wasn't like we all had nothing to do, right? To come together. This is, this is really yes. critical to our future and our, the, next, the next generation. So uh, do something, ladies, with what you've heard today. Uh, one thing, differently, 
to help be part of the solution. Um, before we go, I want to make sure I gave you the four of you ladies just to share where can the ladies listening, they wanted to learn more about you or just connect with you. Uh, you all have so many things going on in your worlds and your businesses. I wanted to make sure we gave a, a quick mention to that. So Kim, why don't you start with that? Sure. Bad Properties, which is my real estate company, has recently launched a phenomenal new product. Uh, it's a digital uh, landlord document bundle. We call it Landlord Docs 30. It really emphasizes our 30 years of a 0% eviction rate and gives you the tools and documents that we've created to, um, to arrive at our stellar record. So uh, LLDOCS30.com, LandlordDocs30.com is our website. You can get more information about us. Thanks, Kim. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Cheryl, how about you? Um, well, thanks, thanks so much again for having me. Um, so I own a, a, a black business, and so I would love for you to support me. Um, it's edupoweronline.com, and so it's an education company, and I do consulting work. Um, I'm actually, uh, will be launching a nonprofit uh, soon called uh, Moving Beyond Barriers. Um, that will be up and moving uh, very soon, um, and that's movingbeyondbarriers.org. Um, and so... Um, you know, I would, I would love, love your support. Um, I also wanted to mention one other resource. So as we talk about people being self-reflective, um, I know that Harvard uh, has put out a, an implicit bias assessment mm. um, that's online. And, um, and that's something that you could certainly start. You could start there to see if you could, maybe, maybe you don't know, you can't see, and, and this assessment helps you to see um, yourself. And so again, that's, a, that's if you, if you uh, Google implicit bias in Harvard, it will come up. Awesome. Tanil, how about you? I, one last thing, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, I did, yeah. What I love about um, Tanil, Tanil mentioned her, her community, and I did wanna mention that um, I live in Westfield, New Jersey. Currently, I'm originally from Virginia, but I wanna acknowledge the work that we're doing here in Westfield before um, George, George Floyd's death and before Corona hit, um, they were actually trying to put together a, um, you know, a council to support uh, the diversity work that's needed here and the, the anti-hate uh, work that's needed here. And so we are starting to do that work. I was recently appointed um, to that, to that uh, committee and I'm super excited to do that because it's needed in, in this community. So it's not just the black community, but it's communities uh, that are predominantly white that also need to do this work. And I just wanna acknowledge our mayor, uh, Shelly Brendel for doing um, that work. That's great. How about you, Tanil? So, like I said earlier, we have just started our diversity and inclusion leadership council. So, um, we just got that off the ground this week. And I'm going to give you guys my email address if you want to join us. It's T McCoy, M C C O Y 72 at me.com. Um, you know, one of the other things, Kim, you mentioned, you talked about your dad, and I recently lost my father um, two years. And so my dad was a business owner, and also he, he gave his time as a baseball coach for over 40 years with uh, many individuals and, and leagues in the city of Trenton, North Trenton Little League and Bait Ruth. And so I've been working on a scholarship fund in my dad's name. Um, so I hope to have uh, that ready to go September uh, 2020 to be able to give scholarships to mm. 
Mercer County students. I would like to obviously have one um, student from Trenton, uh, one student from Hamilton Township, and then from there, uh, a student from Mercer County. Uh, a part of that is that those students, they have to be able to play some type of, they played some type of sport. Um, I'm a firm believer on, you know, having that balance. I played sports all through school, cross country, base softball, and um, basketball. And so I think balancing education and sports is something very important. And I think it helps you and your, in, in your life, uh, later in life, to be able to live a healthy lifestyle as well. So that is something that's soon to come. And hopefully I'll make sure I'll get that out to everyone. Awesome. Great. How about you, Patricia? Um, so Liz, you have my uh, email. Feel yeah. free to post it below. It's, uh, I'll say it aloud, prh at wellyettinvestmentgroup.com. And I'll specifically offer my, my email address for those of you who consider yourself allies, but don't know how to start the conversation with yourself. Uh, or with the people around you, feel free to reach out to me. Um, I'm by no means an expert, um, but I can certainly have the conversation with you and help identify uh, some areas in which you could start to have the conversation with yourself first and move forward in some of the communities, your families as well. Great. Wonderful. And at some point, I would love to connect with the ladies as well and anyone else out there. Um, one of the things that we want to be able to do, there's a particular area in uh, Hamilton Township. It's called the Brownlee area. Five years ago, um, a row homes were uh, caught on fire. And the homes still, they're just sitting there. It's a total eyesore. And it's in a Black community. Uh, we want to be able to bring some developers into that community and see how we can reconstruct. And uh, I think it would be a great idea to also look and to see if that particular area can be almost like an arts district. If you guys have ever visited the Grounds for Sculpture mm -hmm. uh, Rats restaurant, it's literally like three minutes from there. And I would love to join hands, especially with some amazing women that I know that can get the job done, <laughs> the right people to the table. But I would love to have a future conversation with all of you very soon about how we can redirect. Absolutely. And for those of you that are listening, all this information, you don't need to freak out. Check on our show notes. And you're going to see a lot of resources. Liz and I did a lot of research in terms of you know, nonprofit organizations that we want to share with you, books, and, you know, all different tools that we can all, including ourselves, will, you know, better ourselves, and we want to share them with you. So check our show notes. More than ever, going to be full of great information for you. And thank you from the bottom of my heart and bottom of our hearts. Thank you for the four of you for being on this call today. Um, the dialogue, the conversation, the realness, the authenticity. Uh, so we just appreciate you all so much. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Yes. An honor. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it in.